Amen. These are the days of Elijah. It's the day of restoration. It's the day of repentance. So there can be restoration. Amen. And the scripture says that the, the tribulation will not come until one comes with a message. Not just the messenger, but with the message. Under the same anointing that was upon Elijah. They thought it was Christ. They asked him, are you Elijah? And he said, no, I'm not. They asked John the Baptist, and he said, no, I'm not. But both of them uh, was part of the message of repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, amen, hallelujah. And so that God could bring restoration. I don't know how repentance got such a bad spin on it, because... The first thing that follows repentance is restoration. Hallelujah. I don't know if you've ever needed your soul restored. I don't know if you've ever needed your relationship with God restored. I don't know if you've ever needed the blessing restored and the favor of God restored upon your life. But I'm going to tell you, that's exactly what God wants to do when we repent of whatever is holding that back and get it right before the Lord. Amen. These are the days of Elijah. So the book of Malachi, the last book of the old covenant, would not close out until there was this prophetic message moving forward to the new covenant. Amen. And it said that day shall not come, that great terrible day of the Lord, that day of Jacob's trouble and of judgment in the earth, it shall not come. Until Elijah comes. Amen. The spirit and power of Elijah and anointing to bring a message of repentance and restoration to the church. Before Jesus comes and before the tribulation comes. Hallelujah. Those who embrace and respond to the call to repentance will experience the full restoration. (laughs) Yea, yea, the earth is groaning until this day for the manifestation of the sons of God. And before I take my people from this earth, there shall be that manifestation. For there shall be a message that is received, embraced, and responded to. And restoration will come. And I will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. And the hearts of the children back to the fathers. As it is written, so shall it be, saith the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you are satisfied without that fullness, it'll never come to you because you'll never repent of what's keeping it from you. Amen? Amen. If you are satisfied sitting on the premises instead of standing on the promises, someone said sitting in church won't make you a a real authentic Christian any more than sitting in a garage will make you a car. And you, you can't sit there long enough <laughs> to become anything but what you are. And it's the same way with church, but God wants that to change. Amen. How many believe you are sinlessly perfect today? I'm not looking because if I see you, I'm going to come and slap you. Uh, not really. I wouldn't slap you. I'd just shake you till your teeth rattle. Listen, there's no one in here like that today. And I would never slap this young man, young as he is. Because look how much bigger he is than me. And younger than me. 
I wouldn't slap Willie. Look at those shoulders for heaven's sakes. I wouldn't even slap Cherie. <laughs> I'm trying to stay in good with Cherie. <laughs> She's strong. Don't, don't you think? Hey, show us. No, she, she's humble. She, but she's got a, she's got a bicep. You know what I'm saying today? You know what? If we're not sinlessly perfect, then we've got room in our life to come before the Lord and say, Lord, whatever's wrong and whatever needs fixing and whatever keeps me from the fullness of the blessing that you have provided in my life to be a witness unto you, Lord, I repent. Hallelujah. I want that. I desire that restoration. So as we sing this song, this supposedly last worship song, with understanding today, this is the day that the message in the spirit and power of Elijah is going forth through those who would dare to preach it. Because repentance is not the message that not just the world don't want to hear, but large segments of Christianity and church does not want to hear anymore. But it's the only message responded to that will bring restoration. Can you say, man, how many know we need a restoration today? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's sing this with understanding. Listen, I got to tell you one more thing before we sing this song. Jesus stood not at the door of some sinful place in terms of the world. He stood at the door of the church at Ephesus. And we usually hear this at the invitation part of the service. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. And we assume that he's trying to get the world to open the door. You're going to hear it at Christmas and get sentimental about no room for them in the end. We'll make room in your heart for the baby Jesus. No, it's not the baby Jesus that wants to come into your life. Amen. It's the Jesus that hung on. He was born in a manger, but he went to the cross, ascended to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. And he said, I'm going to sit right here till my enemies be made my footstool. Can you say, man, then I'm going to stand up again glory to god amen he's knocking on the door of the church at ephesus oh no i'm sorry the church of laodicea seventh in the series of churches in asia and his message to them is as many as i love i rebuke that was his message and i chasten be zealous therefore and repent. You understand why they were hesitant to open the door to that message from Jesus? Most churches are happy where they are. They don't care about the sin that is covered and concealed, that is holding back the revival. Amen? That is holding back the revival and keeping us from restoration. Jesus was not welcome in his church because of his message to his church. He said, I know your works. I, I, don't, I don't look at your appearance. I know your works. You're not hot and you're not cold. I would that you were one or the other. I would that you were, were real. If you're really on fire for me, I want to see that. But if you're really cold, I want you to repent so I can restore 
that fire to you again. As many as I love, I pet and coddle. No, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Amen? I chasten. You know what the Bible said about God's chastisement? Don't faint when you're chastened of Him. Because He chastens every one that He loves. And if you be without chastisement, it's not because you're so perfect you don't need it. It's because you don't belong to Him. The Bible speaks plain. If you be without, if you never get a whooping, Amen. It's not because you don't need a whooping. It's because you don't belong to Him. If you can sin without consequence, you don't belong to God. You say, why don't He, why don't, why don't he go and, and jump on these people? Because they're not His. They're not His. They're not His. Chastisement is a confirmation that you belong to God. Listen, if I decided today, you know, I'm not going fishing, and I haven't drank in a long time. Since I got saved, I haven't touched alcohol except to put on skeeter bites. Amen. I'm talking about drinking alcohol. But if I decided to go fishing instead of come here today, I'm just going to go fishing. I'm going to get me a case of beer and put it on ice. And while I'm at it, I might as well pick up a couple of packs of cigarettes. I use smoke and drink. So I'll just go out and fish and have myself a time and indulge myself. You would not want to go fishing with me. Because I belong to God. I belong to God. There's a record, and I think, I think Doug got it for me, called The Preacher and the Bear. And it's about a preacher. It was written back in my grandma's day. It's about a preacher that decided to go hunting on Sunday. Instead, or go fishing or hunting, he went to the woods on Sunday rather than to go to church. Well, he got way out in the wilderness and a grizzly bear came running at him. He climbed up a tree and the grizzly bear began to shake the tree. So there's a little tree and the grizzly could just barely, barely reach him with that big claw. And he began to pray a prayer that they put to music. Oh, Lordy, you delivered Daniel from the lion's den, the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace, and then. <laughs> so, Lord, if you don't help me, for goodness sakes, don't you help that bear. Can you say, man, to get me? You know what he was saying? He's saying, I really can't pray for deliverance because I'm wrong with you. But <laughs> if you can't help me, don't let the bear get me. Don't help the bear. Listen, and we smile at those kind of things. But the devil wants something in your life that will hinder your prayer when you need an answer the most. And he will magnify it to you to tell you you are not qualified to receive an answer. Because the real issue in prayer is not getting God to grant it. It's being in a place of faith that you can receive it. Can you say, man, do you understand? If our heart condemn us, David said, God's great, or the scripture in the New Testament, God's greater than our heart and knows all things. But if our heart condemns us not, we have what the devil don't want you to have. 
we have confidence toward God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And what is confidence toward God is faith in God. Hallelujah. Trust in God. But I pray I can't afford for something to be in the way. And so I I want to be careful to not let something stay in my life that the devil's going to magnify when I need an answer from God. Not just for myself, but for anybody else that is asking me to pray for them. How many want your heart to be clear of anything between you and God? Amen. See, that's restoration. This, I, I feel a prophetic. I am not a prophet. I'm a pastor slash evangelist. Amen. But I want you to know today, sometimes a prophetic anointing comes. And there's already the prophecy of Scripture says, Before that great and terrible day of the Lord, I'm going to send Elijah. Not the literal Elijah. Amen. He will come back, I believe. I believe he'll be one of the two witnesses. I believe that with all of my heart. But it's not that message from him during that time. It's this message coming right now. Before that great. And not during it, but before that great day. Amen. Then it has to be an anointing in the same spirit and power of Elijah. Hallelujah. Fire came down. To manifest the presence of God because of that messenger and that message. And I believe the fire of God is going to come back to the church of Jesus Christ that receives the message. If it's, if this brought the message, hallelujah. Glory to God. Brother Taylor, we are in the kingdom for a time such as this. Amen. And if you will embrace the message of repentance and respond to it by checking, letting God check you out. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. How many believe there's anything in your life that you may need to deal with? Show me your hand. There's... You can think of something right off the bat. It might be unforgiveness. It might be uh, unthankfulness. It might be anger. It might be it, any number of things that would keep that restoration from coming. And God wants to send it. Oh, I feel it in the deepest recesses of my... You know what I feel this morning? I'm going to say it, not boastfully. I feel the spirit and power of Elijah today. I feel that anointing here today. Oh, I want people to know the power of repentance and the the prospect of restoration. Glory be to God. What would happen if a Holy Ghost revival broke out in the church of Jesus Christ today? Glory to God. Amen. What would happen if we prayed that prayer of repentance? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. What's the result of that? What's it going to be to the world about us that doesn't, doesn't give a hoot that we're in church this morning? They don't care that we're Christian. What's going to happen? What's going to change when that occurs and restoration comes to us? When we begin to get truly right with God. Amen. Wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Create in me, Psalm 51, a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Then, then, then. Sinners will be converted unto thee.
and transgressors will learn thy ways. When the church gets revived and restored, we will have an impact on the world about us. Then, not until then, all of our bumper stickers with that old sourpuss driving, can you say amen? Amen. It won't cut it. We are living epistles written and read of all men. And one of the things that will be restored is a love for the brethren that nothing can break. By this shall all men know, amen, that you are my disciples. If you have love, not one for another, because that can just be resident in the heart, but love to one another. Something that is demonstrable to the world, that they can see happening between brothers and sisters. Can you say amen? Let me give you one more thing before we sing. This may be the service. Maybe we're just preaching between songs and that'll be it. You got to leave at 12, right? To go to work. 12? Okay, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get you restored before you leave. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. I praise you. I, oh, it's just my spirit. It's her spirit glorifying the Lord. This is just a witness of the Holy Spirit. Let's lift our hands and worship him just a moment. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Shila maroshala masitianda dabakitia. Etadabaroshala. Oh, Father, we praise you today. We praise you today. We praise you today. Lord, we repent of those, of, of just growing cold and our, our values beginning to shift like the sands of the sea. And Lord, not being locked in like we used to be. Oh, Father, we want to be focused on you, devoted to you. We don't want the world to swallow us up and pull us away from you. Father, we don't want to just confess sin alone, but every weight that does so easily beset us. It may not be a sin, but it's in the way. It's in the way, and we're not running with perseverance like we used to. We're, we're stumbling along. Uh, lay aside every sin and the weight that does so easily beset us. And run the race with perseverance that is set before us looking unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody say repentance brings restoration. And not only does it bring when when restoration occurs... Other people are going to see the difference. They're going to know there's substance to our faith. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Then sinners shall be converted. Is that effective evangelism? Sinners being converted. And transgressors learn thy ways because they see us walking in those ways. Hallelujah. Praise God. These are the days of, of perilous time. These are the days of sword and trouble and bad news. But these are also the days of Elijah. Just before the tribulation, I'm going to send Elijah.
this word today. This is Thanksgiving season. We have been talking about praising Him with a grateful heart. That true worship and true praise is the outflowing to a God from a heart that is overflowing with gratitude. You don't need that message again. You already had it. If you want more about Thanksgiving, tune in to WMAF. Go to our website and download the three uh, 30-minute teachings on that because uh, and we have a we have a DJ that listens to our broadcast and he comments on the the uh, uh, well he's the DJ but he has to listen but he doesn't have to comment and say he likes it his name is JD Jason Douglas and he's got a beard you know I just wanted to tell you what he looked like you know handsome fellows with beards and the rest of you are doing pretty good. Amen. Someone said if, a, if someone's got a beard back in the old days, they're trying to cover up their face so no one can recognize them. But Abe Lincoln, I don't think, had anything to hide. And I know Jesus didn't. But anyway, moving right along, not defending beards or anything about that. The day of the Lord is coming. And before the day of the Lord. You see, if you believe Jesus' coming is near, the day of the Lord is near because the day of the Lord will not come biblically and there are people with different points of view but the day of the Lord will not come until Jesus comes first because the day of the Lord is the day of his wrath and the Bible said in the book of Revelation and we don't have time to go into great detail for time's sake but the Bible did say That I saw the great men, the small men, the tall men, the rich men, the poor men, the mighty men, the weak men, all men in other words, and women, cry to the rocks and the mountains to fall on them. Now when the judgment of God arrives and people are not under the covering of the blood of Jesus, there's nothing left for God to do but to judge them. So the Bible said that it's such a terrifying time, such a horrible day, that in order to be hid from that wrath and the face of Him that sits upon the throne, they will cry to the rocks and mountains to fall on them. They would rather to be crushed and covered, therefore, by the rocks and mountains than to have to stand before An angry God. A God who loved enough to give his son. Whose son has been absolutely rejected. The Bible said if they were punished under two or three witnesses that sinned in Moses' day. If they were killed. Of how much sore punishment. Suppose ye that they shall be worthy. Who have trodden underfoot. The blood of the everlasting covenant. There can be no grace if Jesus is rejected. It's his blood that paid the sin debt. To reject Jesus is to reject mercy. And the Bible said, how shall they escape if they neglect such a great salvation as this? There will be no excuse for not coming to Christ. No excuse for not repenting. 
No, re- no excuse for choosing darkness over light. It is, in essence, to wipe your feet on the precious blood of the Lamb. And Paul said that day is coming, and when it comes, the day of judgment. And see, it's been so many years, people don't think He's coming, and they don't think that day is coming. But that day is coming, and Jesus is coming soon. And there's no fear of the Lord. The Bible said the reason they were sinning in Israel like they were, because God is so long-suffering, not willing that any perish, they thought He would never get around to judging them. So there was no fear of the Lord before their eyes. I said something last week, and I want to explain it today. I love the Lord. I love Him. I want to serve Him. I've made personal, recent rededications to serve Him with all I am and all I have for as long as I have here. Had a stroke just a few years ago that could have took me home. God decided to leave me here. Well, since he left me here, I want to use, it made me realize that time is precious. Amen. And I want to use my time and my life with everything I am and everything I have. I want to serve him. But I can't say that I was so devoted that I never thought about going down to Tarshish and looking for a ship out. Not to quit serving Jesus, just to quit being under the pressure and sometimes the pain and the heartache and the heartbreak. You know what breaks my heart in pastoring? It's watching people fall away from God. Watching people that once had a value system that represented the kingdom of God first, and now the kingdom of God is clearly not first, and they don't care. How do you know they don't care? Because they're never moved to repent. They're never moved to make a change in it. And it's amazing the blindness that sets in when a falling away begins to occur because not only do they not change because they're not able to be convicted of it, they're still critical of others on little, you know, little things that, oh, that's going to, that's sin, oh, that's sin. They're so busy looking at the moat in their brother and sister's eye that they can't see the beam that is in their own. Jesus taught that. If you're looking at other people, you're not looking. There's no self-watch. If you're always seeing the sin in someone else, you'll never see the sin in yourself. Can you say, man? And I'm, I, it breaks my heart. It, it, it just, it's one of the most painful things. And I've said, Lord, I just, I just don't want to have to watch this anymore. But as a pastor, I can't. It's not like an evangelist. Evangelists come in and preach, and people come forward and get saved, and some rededicate. He doesn't stay and see the falling away. He doesn't see the people that Paul talked about. You did run good for a while. You, when you came out of the gate, you came out like nothing could ever stop you. But you stopped your forward momentum. What did hinder you? Amen. So the Bible said there's two things that can hinder us in this race. Sin and weights. Sin, unrepented, will hinder your forward momentum. Make no mistake about it. And weights. Weights are not what the, what the Bible may qualify as a sin. But it's something in the way of you running 
the race that is set before you. Amen. And when real devotion to the Lord comes, you not only want to repent of any sin that's in the way weighing you down, you want to repent of things that are not sin according to Scripture, but it's something that is in the way of your forward momentum. You don't run like you used to run. You're not as fleet of foot as you used to be. You kind of are tentative and stumble along, but you used to run full out for Jesus. There's only one way to serve Him, and that's with everything. Amen. It starts with denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Him with a full devotion. Amen. So I've been before the Lord and said, Lord, I want to run just like I used to run. I don't want to ever stumble along this way. And I want to get not only any sin out of the way, I want to get any weight out of the way. The weight may be Sunday night television for some people. Not a sin, but it's in the way if he keeps you out of church. Amen. In fact, whatever keeps you out of church is in the way. I don't care what it is. If it comes before God and his worship, it's in the way. Can anyone agree with me it's in the way? You don't think it's in the way? Keeps you from God? Oh, well, I go and I I, I have my personal. No, you don't. The early church set a day. It wasn't the Old Testament Sabbath. It's not the law. It has to do with saying we are different from the world about us. They just gather all the time. They never stop to give God credit, to give God glory, to give God the time of day. But we're different from the world about us. And we're going to distinguish ourselves. We chose a day. They chose a day. And it has stood. Hallelujah. Thank God it has stood. It's called Sunday, not S-U-N-D-A-Y, S-O-N-D-A-Y. It's when we worship the Son, who is our Savior, who gave His life on the cross. It's a sacred day to the Christian community. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It is a sacred day. I know it doesn't seem like it anymore, but it's a sacred day. Because the church set aside a day to say, we're not like the world about us. Jesus rose on the third day, and we're going to take that day, and we are going to set it aside to worship God. Hallelujah. Wow. In the Old Testament, there was part of the covenant was that we're going to we're going to set we're going to have seven years that we can just use the land to grow everything that we can grow on it. But on the seventh year, we're going to let it recuperate. We're not going to just be greedy and continually take. We're going to let something recuperate. And we're going to do it unto the Lord. Here's this whole Sabbath thing, not under the law. Listen to me carefully. And they decided for 70 years to let it slip. To let it slip and nothing happened. They just got more and more crops because they didn't. And guess what? God is counting. You owe me 70 years. You owe me 70 years that you let slip, but God didn't let it slip. God cares about these things as part of our devotion. You let it slip for 70 years. See, right now, we try to make church fit into people's 
value system so that we can get them in early and get them on the golf course so they don't have to to sacrifice their golf game to worship God. And we wonder why we don't have a visitation from God and a Holy Ghost revival. They owed him 70 years. They were slipping away. But he kept record and he kept count. How long were they in captivity before he turned the captivity of Jacob? Seventy years exactly. God takes note. God takes note. God takes note. The heartbreaking thing to me is to watch it as if it's no big deal. I'm not talking about the law. I'm not talking about Adventism. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the no big deal because of grace. Nothing's a big deal anymore. It's a misuse and abuse of grace. The law of sowing and reaping did not change because of grace. Grace is to forgive it when we break it. It's not to say it doesn't matter anymore. God is not mocked. They, they thought they could do that, but they couldn't. So the day of the Lord that is coming, the tribulation period, is an accumulation of all of that justifiable anger of God against rebellion and sin that He punished in Jesus so that every person on this planet could be forgiven. Bible said it's not His will that any perish, but that all have eternal life. But there's only one way to receive eternal life. And here's something that's missing. You must repent and receive Jesus as your Savior. You can't stay the devil's servant and have salvation. First John says, if any man committeth sin, and we all have sinned and come short. Listen, the word committeth means live habitually in. Without conviction, without repentance. He's of the devil, Period. It's very clear in Romans 6.16. 6, Whoever you yield, your members serve. You can yield your members' servants to obey God unto righteousness, and you will struggle with your weak flesh. And He will help you with your weak flesh. But He needs that commitment from you. Because whoever you yield, your members servants to obey, His servant you are whom you Obey. Jesus put it this way. Why call thou me Lord and do not what I say? Amen. That's the height of hypocrisy and spiritual blindness. Is to call him Lord with no regard for what his word says. No desire to heed it and obey it at all. Will you struggle with obeying it? I do. I don't struggle with his right to be my master and his word to be the rule of my life. I struggle with keeping it. And he helps me with that struggle. I struggle forgiving enemies. Especially when they're really mean. Just like I told Sister Cristello, I cook a mean turkey. She said, I believe he would even cook a kind one. Amen. What a woman of wisdom. 
But I don't struggle with his lordship. And you know what? Ultimately, if I bow to him, he's going to win that. And I'm going to win that. I'm going to do good to someone who despitefully uses me. I'm going to forgive. At my son's memorial service, a family member was here. Amen. That I, oh, it was, oh, if you only knew, because we were hugging and kissing and everything. And you wouldn't know the background. (laughs) Can you say, man? But there was some water under that bridge. Amen. But thank God I committed myself. I said, Lord, I'm going to forgive this person. If they never forgive me, if they never take any, for your sake. See, that's the deal. You don't do it for their sake. You do it for his sake. If God hath forgiven you, we, for Jesus' sake, should forgive one another. And when I went to, to really ask forgiveness for just being upset at how mean they were and if i told you how mean they were you'd get upset too (laughs) you'd say you know what you'd probably say but it would be an error you'd say you had every right to be upset yes i did the only problem is amen i have received grace and mercy from the lord and i owe it (laughs) big time everybody say oh it big time oh nothing to anyone but to love one another. And I'm going to stop and let you go so you don't have to try to stop the service. Amen. And, and I'm going to pray. Are you going to bring her back for prayer? Will you do that? Because I want it to be that anointed end of the service. All right. She's going to do what she has to do and listen to me carefully. Amen. This great revival that God wants to send. He's changed my message. You could see it beginning to turn. Amen. I had a Thanksgiving. We're going to have to wait until next Thanksgiving to have Thanksgiving with Jonah. I was looking forward to preaching it. How many came to hear it? Too bad, so sad. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Next Thanksgiving, if we, we're all together and Jesus tarries. No, we can talk about Thanksgiving after Thanksgiving. In fact, we can have Thanksgiving with Jonah after Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving don't start with Thanksgiving Day and it don't end when the turkey is all gone. Hallelujah. Not for the believer. Praise God. Amen. Listen, the day of the Lord is coming. But before that day comes, before that day comes, and it's hastening, it's hastening, it's hastening. Before that day comes, God says in the book of Malachi chapter 4, the last chapter of the last of the old covenant, the last of those prophets of the old covenant, is speaking to us about the future and the day of the Lord that is soon coming. And it is coming very, very soon. In fact, the Bible speaks of the day of the Lord this way. I see every man in the old covenant looking forward to that day. I see every man with his hands on his loins as travail upon a woman with child, having a child. I see a man having birth pangs. that incredible? Because of the pressure of those times that is going to come upon mankind during the day of the Lord, the tribulation period. I see men hurting and crying out like a woman in travail that is having those birth pangs. Listen to me carefully. Here's something we missed, and it's created something we need to correct. 
Wars and rumors of wars, distress of nations with perplexity certainly is an end time sign, but it is not the sign of the end. When it talks about all of those things, you know what comes next? But the end is not yet. It means we're getting close, but it's not yet. But when these things begin to occur, you know what the Bible calls it? It calls it the beginning of sorrows. Now here's the confirmation and correlation with that Old Testament prophecy. You know what the word sorrows is in the Greek? Birth pangs. Birth pangs. Birth pangs. Birth pangs. When we see all of this begin to occur that we're seeing right now, that means that this great event is surely close and coming soon because the labor has already begun spiritually. Amen? Amen? The beginning of sorrows. Not sorrow, oh, poor us, oh, look how bad it is. No, the actual birth pangs of the tribulation are starting because of the perilous time. We're already feeling the pain and pressure of the last of the last days. And it's going to increase more and more and more. The earthquakes are going to get closer together and worse. They're occurring now. They had one in Iraq. They say they're getting ready to have one in California. It's been coming for years and years, but that doesn't mean... See, that's the whole thing. The coming of the Lord has been preached for years and years until no one is giving any heed to the message at all. And that is a sign that His coming is soon. Can you say amen? The things that you are seeing, sensing, and experiencing, surely this is the perilous time. And surely these are the last days, saith God. Therefore I will do a quick work. Yea, I will do a quick work. I say unto thee again, I will do a quick work because the time is short. Awake thou that sleepest, and Christ shall give thee light, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. I'm not trying to get God to get on my timetable. I'm trying to catch up with Him. I'm not trying to get God to send a revival. I believe the mighty flow of the Holy Spirit is here. I'm trying to find where the river is and get in the flow of it. Oh, you didn't hear me. I want to get in the flow of the Holy Spirit. I'm not asking Him to flow to me. Just show me. Show me. Amen. Where the flow is. And I want to flow with it. Glory be to God. Surely we are in the last of the last days. Amen. So the Bible said in the book of Revelation, And I saw the great men, the small, the rich, the poor, the whole spectrum of human society call unto the rocks and the mountains to fall on them and hide them from the face of Him that sits upon the throne. And from the wrath, now listen to this carefully, because this is going to change your understanding and perspective of who Jesus 
is when he comes. Not who Jesus was when he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, but the Jesus that's coming on a white horse. Not the Jesus that they put on a cross, who, who like a lamb dumb before his shears held his peace, but the Jesus that's going to come to judge the earth. Can you say, man, whose eyes are as a flame of fire? Amen. Listen to me. Whose brass, whose feet are like burnished brass, whose hair is as wool, means that he has been qualified and designated as the judge of all mankind. Hide us from the face of him that sits upon the throne. Didn't the Bible say it's a fearful thing? To fall into the hands of the living God. It means if we are going to stand before Him as our judge and we've rejected the only means of salvation and the only means of mercy, it's a fearful, fearful, terrifying thing. And you know what's missing? The fear of the Lord. The reason they sinned like they did in the old covenant said there was no fear of the Lord before their eyes. They didn't think He would get around to judging them. But he did. He always does. Someone said, well, in the book of Ecclesiastes, I've got so much to say, so little time. But it said because there's not a judgment on an evil deed immediately. Men's hearts are fully set in them to do evil. In other words, if I do evil today and I don't get judged for it tomorrow, well, I can do evil tomorrow too country music song i go out i drink i carouse i lay with women but when i come home me and jesus got our own thing going me and jesus got it all worked out you never heard that song it's a song expressing a sentiment of so many people that show up in church from time to time And they believe that they can sin. Well, listen, if you sin without consequence, you don't belong to God. Somebody say qualify that. If you be without chastisement, he chastens every son that he loves. Oh, well, does that mean you don't love me? No, it means you don't belong to him. I have never whipped anybody else's child. I've intimidated a few. (laughs) Amen. Seen some that needed a whipping. But it wasn't my place to whip them. It was their mom and daddy's place to do that. Because I don't love them like your mom and daddy's supposed to love them. Their chastening is to correct them, not to hurt them. Guy in the Walmart, some kid was showing out. Some old man in the Walmart went over and slapped the kid. They took him to jail. It's a wonder the mama wasn't packing or he'd have been dead. Or the daddy. Amen. He chastens every son that he loves. Scourges everyone that he receives. Don't faint when you're chastened of him. When he comes to rebuke something wrong, he wants repentance to bring restoration. It's a very positive, powerful thing. And the heart-rending thing for me, and the only reason I've ever considered getting a boat to Tarshish instead of staying in Nineveh is because I see people that are going right on, right on, right on, right on, wrong. And it hurts me as a pastor to see people 
that had a value system that represented a different kingdom. And now the line has not, it's just been blurred between the world and the kingdom. But the same people claim a perfect relationship with God and no need for repentance. Repentance doesn't mean how many people cry alligator tears at the altar. Repentance means I'm going to change what is wrong in my life. It means about face. If I'm on the wrong road, I turn around and head down the right road. Something has to change for repentance to occur. Not just cry at an altar. I see people cry at altar because they're convicted, but they don't repent. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. It can bring us to that place of repentance. But it is not the same as repentance. But some folks don't even cry at an altar. They don't even get convicted anymore. And I watched this process. I watched it in my own family. I seen this falling away. And I thought, Lord in heaven, Lord in heaven, help us today. I watch it in pulpits in America. Preachers who once held high the standard for God, who themselves let that same standard down. Make no mistake it, another sign of the last days, that day that we're going to talk about here in closing, that day, the day of the Lord, shall not come except there come a falling away first. Then that man of sin that's going to usher in that day, then he can be revealed. But the falling away must precede that. Because if the church is on fire, and the church is interceding, and the church is right with God, He can't be manifest until that that will let that that is holding it back, that that has that kind of power and authority has to be moved out of the way for Him to be manifest. So the falling away has to come, and the coming of the Lord has to occur. Because there's enough real deal, authentic believers in Jesus that are praying and standing on the truth. That the Antichrist, the devil wants it now, but he can't have it now. Hallelujah. Because somebody's here with authority. Somebody's here that still got power with God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But a day is coming. When a trump's going to sound. And I'm not talking about that trump. Can you see? He's sounding off already. But the trump of God is going to sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise. And we which are living and remain shall be caught up with them. To meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And they're going to be glad to see us go until we get gone. And when, they, when we get gone... There's going to be some things occur on this earth that can't happen while we're here. I want to be part of that number. This is not a New Orleans jazz song. Amen. This is a song that I embrace when the saints go marching in. I want to be part of that number. Can you say amen? Because, honey, you do not want to be here when we are taken out of here. Because he that let is taken out of the way. And when he that letteth is taken out of the way, that man of sin, that son of perdition, the Antichrist, he's going to be manifest. And the tribulation is going to begin. And it's not going to begin with plagues and it's not going to begin with judgments from heaven it's going to begin with world peace for three 
and a half years. Through peace, he will deceive many. And if you want to know when the end is, it's not yet because of these precursors. But when they cry, the inhabitants of the earth, when they cry, peace and safety, then shall sudden destruction come upon them. Here's that word again, that analogy as travail upon a woman with child. Can you say amen? When they do what? Cry peace and safety. Amen. The Antichrist is going to deceive if it were, if, unless those days be shortened. Even the very elect could be deceived. He's got a short space of time. And you know what God says to the inhabitants of the earth during that day? Woe to the inhabitants of the earth because he that's ruling from the air, influencing, is going to come down to you. He's going to come into a man and manifest through that man of sin, the son of perdition. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, for Satan hath come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows what the church has forgot. Can you say man? He knows clearly what the church has forgot. He knows he has, but a short time. Oh friend, it's not just because I'm going to turn 71 and I've already had a stroke. You know what it is? It's knowing the time prophetically is drawing so short. If I was 21, I would preach with urgency because the time is short. Amen. The night is past. The day is at hand. And the Bible said that we're not to be drunk with wine wherein is excess and you may be a teetotaler and not touch alcohol. It's talking about being inebriated with materialism and the things of the world, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Jesus said, beware lest your heart be overcharged with surfeiting drunkenness and he, the cares of this life that that day come upon you as a thief. For we're not children of the night. We're children of the day. Can you say, man, hallelujah. We're supposed to know these things that the devil is absolutely keenly aware of. He knows when the tribulation begins, his time is short. Can you say, man, his last opportunity to do harm to those that God has loved enough to give his son for, to see God's heart broken. (laughs) He's got a short time to do it because a day is quickly coming when he's going to be chained and cast into the bottomless pit. And when he gets out of the bottomless pit, he's going to be consigned to hell forever after a very brief opportunity to lead a rebellion At the end of the millennium. The time is short. And Christians act like we've got all the time in the world to work for God and to serve God. And we do not. We're to redeem the time. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But be ye... This is a last day thing that we need. Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Redeeming the time. What does it mean to redeem it? It means to buy up the time. To begin to take the time that is wasted and invest it in the work of the kingdom of God. Can you say man? 
Hallelujah. You know what the Lord has impressed on me? He said, son, since I'm not done with you, what are you going to do with the time you have left? I said, Lord, I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to use every minute, um, every bit of my energy, every bit of the experience that 44 years of ministry has given me in Bible study. I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm, I, I'm with some people that asked, asked me to, they, they graduated from uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, same place that Charles Stanley graduated, same place that, that David Jeremiah graduated. It's a, it's a very prestigious Baptist Bible College, but they would call me up and say, can you help me with this? Because they didn't know that I didn't graduate from some prestigious Bible College. And they figured, he knows the Bible. He can help me with this. While they were going to school and doing home courses from Baptist Theological Seminary in Dallas. And I thought, look at him, look at him. Man, man getting his, working toward a doctor's degree in theology and he's calling me up. Why'd he call me up? Because he knows that, listen, what he doesn't realize, three and a half years in Bible college can't give you what 44 years of studying the book can. And pastoring. It's one thing to get your degree and put it on your resume it's another thing to do it. <laughs> Can you say that? <laughs> guy came to me and he said, Doc. He called me Doc. He thought I had a doctor's degree. So he called me Doc. Came to me and he was going to start a church in Tampa. He said, Doc, I have read a book. You ought to read it. I, I thought, well, you know, is this the Bible or what are we talking about here? Amen. What book did you read? And it was a book on how to do it, uh, how to get it done, and how to use your faith, and how to shake a city. And I thought, we've been preaching faithfully in this city for years, and there's been some people saved, and some people are going to be in heaven because we came to Tampa and left Tampa Electric. Amen. Otherwise, I'd have as much time as Terry. I'd be gray-headed too. Can you say man? <laughs> Working for them. But anyhow... <laughs> But then you ought to try pastoring. You might not have any hair. Amen. Pull it out. And he said, Doc, I'm going to shake this city for God. He read that book. And he was all turned on and revved up. And he went and borrowed the money from the bank, him and a few people, and they, they bought a grocery store that had been abandoned that would hold, you know, you can put a lot of people in cram it if there's nothing in there but chairs. He came to me three months later, defaulting on the loan. They're, they're repossessing the property. But it wasn't even that, that the money didn't come in. The people had got to him. And he came to me and he said, Doc... He said, they didn't tell me in the book. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. <laughs> he said, I had a faction over here that wanted it this way. And a faction over there that wanted it that way. And a faction over here that loved me. And a faction over here that couldn't stand aside of me. And he said, I couldn't get nothing done for God. <laughs> he said, would you pray for me, Doc? <laughs> 
<laughs> I, said, I, I sure will, because you sure need a doctor. Can you say amen? And, and the only doctor I know that can fix you when you broke up on the inside and discouraged is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He's still the great physician. Praise God. Hallelujah. We've weathered the storm. We're here for the last day. We're in the kingdom for the time such as this. I want to read this to you. Oh, Wherever, wherever we land, we've got to study the book of Revelation because there is a relevance to us now like there never could or would be before. We're in that day, the day of the Lord. By the way, it said, they, let me just finish that scripture. He said, they, they will call for the rocks and mountains to fall on them and hide them from the face of him that sits upon the throne and the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb. The Bible said of Jesus that God, because He gave His life, He became the sacrifice for sin that has been rejected. That all judgment has been conferred to Him. That's why when John saw Him, His hair was white as wool and His feet as burnished brass. He's coming not to save when he comes to rule and reign, he's coming to judge the earth. And by the way, when he rules it, it won't be because people say, there's Jesus, let's all get saved. No, he will rule it with a rod of iron. And at the end of a thousand years under his reign, when the devil's let out of the pit to test who is really wanting to be right with God, even after a thousand years of the reign of Christ, Satan is so deceptive and persuasive. Those that are not truly committed to Christ will commit themselves to rebel and bring an army against God and his angels. There was not just a war in heaven. There's going to be one right here on this planet. And it will be the final battle between light and darkness that will ever be fought. Because the devil and his angels and his followers will all be cast into the lake of fire. He'll never be let out again to deceive or destroy. These, these, this is coming. This is the, the, and it'll be in the valley of Megiddo. That's why it's called the Battle of Armageddon. It's not Russia and their allies coming into Israel. This is a different battle altogether. It comes at the end. I believe the battle between Russia and the allies of Israel is, could happen very, very soon. Because you can watch Russia allying with Iran and Iraq and those nations that have committed themselves to the destruction of Israel. Russia just vetoed the, the continuing to look into the, the use of chemical weapons against anyone that doesn't like the leadership in Iran. And they vetoed the, the inspection and the, the, the investigation into whether or not the United Nations should censure them again. For the, they, they're siding with them. They want to destroy ISIS because it's a threat to those leaders in Iran and Iraq. But they're aligning themselves. And the nations that the Bible said, Gog, Magog, those nations are aligning right now against one nation. And it's not us initially. It's Israel. The dragon 
hated the woman that brought forth the man-child because the devil believes the prophecies. Amen. The seed of the woman. There's a, there's a seed of the woman coming. It's going to whoop you. Can you say amen? Make no mistake about it. You're going to think you're a big boss man for a little while. But the seed of the woman. Amen. You're going to bruise his heel. That's what happened at the cross. It, he thought, it wasn't deadly. He died, but he didn't stay dead, did he? Not for long. Hallelujah. Amen. You're going to bruise his heel, no doubt. But he is going to bruise your head. The wound you're going to receive is a death warrant. Can you say man? And so what did the dragon do? He hated the woman that brought forth the man-child. What is the lineage of Jesus? Came through the lineage of Abraham's seed. He came through the lineage of what is now Israel. Can you say, man, the most hated nation in the world is Israel. And the Arab nations are set on destroying Israel, and they make no bones about it. And they hate us because we're allied with Israel. But the Bible said, I'm going to bless them. And I believe that's one reason America was truly great at one time. I'm going to bless them that bless Israel. I'm going to curse them that curse Israel. And in the book of Ezekiel, you'll see the curse. Amen. And God says, I'm going to keep this covenant for the whole world to see. Because Gog, Magog, the north allied with with those arab states are going to set themselves in one mighty army to destroy a little piece of land that's about the size of new jersey because of the hate that the dragon has for the woman oh by the way do you know what we are you know who we are today he is not a jew that's just a jew because of the seed of abraham lineage the real circumcision is the circumcision to the heart. And they that are of the household of faith are Abraham's seed by faith. And not only the blessing of Abraham has come upon us, but the hatred of the dragon. Because we are putting forth the man-child. We are lifting up Jesus, the only name that can save and deliver. Have you ever wondered why the devil is on your case? Because you got a testimony that can change the eternal destiny of someone's soul. We can lift up Jesus. He hates us, with, but he can, he can just keep on hating. Amen. Because we belong to God. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we're not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But the hatred is driven by a spiritual force, not a political force. This goes way beyond politics, world politics. This is a spiritual force. Someone is walking the streets near where we used to pastor, killing people at random until they're afraid to sit on their porch or go out at night because he's just picking people at random and blowing them away. Four people so far, three in one week, one 10-day period. And FBI profilers are trying to figure out his, his probable background, and they're trying to psychologically analyze what would drive a serial killer like this. There's profiles they can fit into. 
We know something beyond the sociological profiles. We know there's a spirit. The thief came but to steal, kill, and destroy. It's in his nature for his hatred and his angst against God. And he hates God's creation. He hates all of God's creation. The church in the last days needs to hear the last day message. And it is not how to get more gold and silver and live in more lavish. That is not the message to the church in the last days. That is not the spirit and power of Elijah. It will not bring repentance. Therefore, it can never bring restoration. There are mega churches that do not preach repentance. And the people, I feel for them because they're not being restored. They're promised a bigger car, a bigger home, and a bigger bank account. No one is warning them to flee the wrath to come. In fact, no one is warning them at all. Listen to this in closing. Are you getting any of this? I know I'm saying a lot of things, but is it coming through? Surely the day is coming. Malachi chapter 4. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day is coming. will set them on fire. Saith the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But you who revere my name. But for you who revere my name. But to you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And you shall go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Hallelujah. Amen. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be as ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I do these things, saith the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all of Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers And here's that part. Without revival, the only thing left for God to do since He can't restore is to send judgment. Else I will curse the land with a curse. So revival is not just something we would like to have and God wants us to have. It's something, it's the only alternative to a judgment in our nation and in our families and in our lives. I don't know about you, but I do not want God's judgment on me. I want His grace. I want His mercy. I want His restoration. I don't want to see anybody else go off the rails. I don't want to see any more compromise among Christians. We bear a great name that is to be praised and revered. I want to represent a great God and a good God and a God that is worth my all to serve. Can you say, man, I don't represent this cheap grace, this Jesus that doesn't deserve my devotion. Can you say, man, I serve a great God.
and a good God and a gracious God. Hallelujah. We're going to receive the offering in just a moment. I'm going to ask you a question before the offering and dismissal. How many believe there's room in your life to say, Lord, I don't want to miss this day of your visitation. I don't want to miss this revival and restoration. I want to be a participant in it and a recipient of it. I want to be revived. And I want, I want to be ready for your soon coming. And I don't want any regrets when I look back on how I lived my life. Hallelujah. I want to live it for you all the days of my life. Have you, how many have been challenged today by this message? I have. I challenge myself first. I'm the, what is it? The husbandman should be the first partaker of the fruit. Thank God at my son's funeral, I got to be forgiven. And I got to forgive again. I'd already forgiven, so I didn't, really didn't have to do that. But it was sure nice for someone to come up to me and say, before I could say a word, say, I'm so sorry. I wasn't saved back then. I thought, boy, you sure wasn't. Amen. You don't have to tell me. Amen. But I'm so glad you are now. And I'm so glad we can, we can not just be blood-related by the Venable family. We can be blood-related by the Christian family. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You can be my brother, my sister. Hallelujah. We can be in one accord. And, and the devil can't ever use that when I go to pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Again, show me your hand. There's room in your life. Hallelujah. And we're going to let God tell us what we need to do. Hallelujah. To have true restoration in our homes, our lives. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. You may not realize that we're inspiring other people right out of this little church. There may not be a whole lot of people here to be inspired, but it don't stop here. Praise God. Brother Spain said I was in my office. He said, precious brother in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, used to pastor and preach here in Tampa, preached for us several times, preached a homecoming for us one time. Brother R.E. Spain, good old Alabama boy, hallelujah, loves Jesus, still loves it, 75 years old. He said, I was in my office, and he said, I was just walking around, just trying to get inspiration. He said, I looked over at my cabinet opened the drawer and said there were some old cassette tapes from 1992 or 3. And I pulled out one, and it was you, you preaching, said you started to preach, Brother Venable. And he said you, you started the message, read the Scripture, and stopped and said, I can't preach that. God is leading me. And he said, you know, you don't hear that much anymore. Amen. If someone that says, I'm going to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, when he says this is the flow, that's where we're going to go, happened again this morning, it's going to keep happening. Are you glad I followed the Holy Spirit and didn't just preach a little quick Thanksgiving message and send us out? But God wanted to do something deeper than just make you thankful. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And he said, I pulled it out and I put it in. And he said, you know what the title of it was? He said, the title of it was, it's time for the called out to come out. 
And he said, Brother Venable, you can't hardly find that kind of preaching anymore. And he said, I just wanted to call you and tell you that I got all fired up all over again. And I said, well, thank God, because preachers are a hard crowd. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes if you're trying to minister to a minister, and thank God for our humble brother right here. Amen. And all our humble brothers here. God is gracious. And if we can inspire somebody else to run with the vision of the last day message, thank God for it. I've been invited to preach now in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So one of these days I'm going to go to Alabama, amen, <laughs> hallelujah, and preach the gospel as the doors open, because we got good associate to stand in here, and everybody said amen to that, hallelujah, praise God, as we receive our offering today, these are the days of Elijah, these are the days of repentance being preached and those who embrace it, restoration occurring. And in that restoration is the revival. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That will sweep so many souls into the kingdom just before that great day of the Lord, just before the coming of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. And thank you for this offering we receive to continue your work, to preach your word in the name of Jesus. And would you please bring the offering as God has blessed you and led you today. Hallelujah. Do it, Lord. As largely of me, saith the Lord. Ask greatly of me. Yea, ask for the impossible. For am I not God over heaven, God over earth, God over the oceans, God over the universe? Yea, saith the Lord, ask largely that you may see my glory. Ask largely that my name be glorified. And ask largely that you see people delivered and set free. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Well, this is my large prayer that I've been praying. The apostles knew, and they knew it very quickly. If God doesn't manifest supernaturally, the gospel is not going to get beyond Jerusalem because of the pressure and the persecution. There has to be more than just accurate theological discussions and, and, and dispersions of the gospel. There has to be a manifestation of the Spirit of God. So they said, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand. We get specific with to heal. And that signs and wonders occur in the mighty name of Jesus. And I'm looking for two things to happen. I'm looking for healing and signs and wonders. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. In other words, I'm looking for the supernatural. I'm looking for the manifestation of God. And he said, you have not because you ask not. Well, I ask. 
and ask and keep on asking. In the name of Jesus, Father, grant it. Let it be so. Wherever your word is preached in power, where it's preached in truth, where it's preached under the anointing, whether it's pre- where it's preached, Lord, according to your will for these last days. Hallelujah. Let us see the mighty move of the Spirit of God to heal, deliver, set free, and above all, to save and transform for the glory of God. And everyone said amen and amen.